I'll give a wave like this just to let you know that that joke is over. Okay. I misbehave on stage, but I'm better than when I wasn't sober. Okay, so uh, I've sobered up. There's still some blackouts. And, uh, I worked in hymens and survived tornadoes and trailers, but that don't mean I won't put in my two weeks later having a good time, baby. Having a good time, baby. We're having a real good time. We're having a good time, baby. Having a good time, baby. I'll tell you one more time. Oh, yeah. We're having a good time. Yeah. We're having a good time. All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name's Dusty Slay, and I'm your host. And what an exciting time we have here. Uh, I'm back. I've gone off. I've done a weekend of shows. I feel good. I feel healthy. I'm pouring some coffee right now into a cup. It is a slow, dramatic pour. I'll tell you that. But uh, it was a good weekend. Uh, We'll get into it. I got a bit of a mask rant. I don't know if it's so much of a mask rant or more of a just a other kind of stuff rant. Um, not even really a rant. Just going to talk about it. And uh, I'm going to try to, I don't know, I'm not decided. I kind of thought I would maybe just talk about high school and just give a real rundown of high school. Because yesterday I went to the chiropractor and as I was driving there, it was about a 30-minute drive, I put on a 90s playlist. And I just started jamming to the same songs that I used to jam to when I was driving around the streets of Opelika uh, in many different vehicles. I had a uh, 1984 Ford Bronco II. I had a 1989 white full-size Bronco. And I had a 1999 uh, Saturn four-door Pooh Bear edition, uh, dent-resistant bumpers, and a fender that you could put a knee in and it would go in and go right back out. We tried it many times. Um, and I would just drive around. I delivered pizza in that Saturn uh, back when I had a Motorola StarTac flip phone. Had a flip and then an antenna that would come out of it. Very cool. My first cell phone, I had it, you know, I'd have it for a month and then it would get cut off and then I would, I'd go down there and pay the bill for another month. And uh, my coffee, it feels like that, it's disgusting. I feel like I had some kind of hot tea in that mug at one point and it, that, it's like a, like a old cooking pan has, uh, has now, uh, what do they say it? Like the pan's all seasoned up. And I feel like this coffee mug that I had is seasoned up. So now my delicious black coffee tastes like some kind of organic herbal tea, which I do like organic herbal tea, but I like it when it is uh, it when it is the tea. I don't want uh, I don't want a coffee flavored tea. Or a tea-flavored coffee. I had to cut my light on there. So I had to do a, do a bit of moving around. 
So, you know, and ultimately, maybe we will talk about that because ultimately my high school talking about it, it won't be a very detailed thing, I don't think, because I didn't write anything down. But uh, I think that will lead me into uh, a little after high school story that I'd like to talk about that I think is pretty fun. I just feel like I've been thinking more about high school and then I'll do some Bible stuff at the end. Some, but I feel like I did a lot last week and I don't want to overwhelm people, but I did get a lot of emails from people and I appreciate it. So I think people do enjoy it. Um, so I want to keep doing it. And, and honestly, I met some people at a show this weekend who listened to the podcast to appreciate that. And I feel like people are responding well to the Bible stuff. And I like that. A lot of people disagreed with me last week on my analysis of the Bible, which I also enjoy. Sometimes I think people don't think I enjoy that because I, it seems like I'm arguing with them, but that's only because we're emailing. Emailing to me always seems like an argument, but if we're in real life hanging out, it's what we would call a discussion. And as uh, I was reminded of from a friend and uh, also uh, a verse I know very well, but it's uh, Proverbs. I, I don't know if it's Proverbs. I don't, I say I know very well, but I don't. Iron sharpens iron, basically is what it is. So I feel like these discussions make us better, make us smarter, make us more equipped to talk to people. So I think it's great. I'm into it. I want more emails of people that disagree with me. But disagree with me, but are also Christian. Actually, I don't care who disagrees with me. I love the discussion. It, it actually... One email from someone was so compelling that it caused me to reach out to a preacher that I watch sometimes on the internet, and he responded to me and sent me a book. It was a short book, but I read the book yesterday, and I feel even more equipped. So that's what we got. High schools, uh, we're going to do where we've been, where we're going, probably a little bit of a mask rant. I'm going to talk about high school and then some Bible talk. So let's get into it. Maybe this, I think this is the right button. Let's see. Where we've been, where we're going. Where they going. Where they been. Where they going. Where, where they been. Where we're going, where, where we've we been. been. Okay, so where have I been? This weekend I went to the Comedy Addict in Bloomington, Indiana. And I, for the longest time, have heard nothing but great things about this club. Everybody I talked to was like, oh man, you got to do the comedy attic. It's the best. It's great. It's wonderful. And I got to say, it was great. I had a great time there. I, um, it's a club that, uh, honestly, I never thought I would do. Years ago, I had some words with the owner back and forth through email this was back when I was a, a, a young comic just trying to get into clubs. I was sending a lot of emails and had not quite learned that comedy is a long game and that you can't be getting snippy with people because it'll come back to bite you later. I was snippy. I've always had a little bit of an attitude problem. The older I get, the more I know how to control it. But I've always had a little bit of an, I got a bit of a short temper, but my temper's not out of control, if that makes sense. Like, it, meaning that 
Uh, it doesn't take much to irritate me and kind of set me off, but my set off is not too bad. I don't, I don't fly off the handle, but I will straight up walk out of a business. Um, and I got a little snippy with the owner. We had some words, and then I assumed I would never do that club. But then I got booked. I got booked to do it, and then the pandemic happened, and that weekend got moved, and then I finally did get to do it. And I had a really great time. I enjoyed talking with the owner, and that just goes right back to what I said before. When you're sending emails, it always seems like you're fighting, but when you're face-to-face -face with people, you tend to be a little more respectful of them, and you, you just talk. And we had a great time. I enjoyed being there. Uh, my friend uh, Jake Rupel, Jake, not Rupel, Jake Rubel came out and did a few guest spots, brought out some of his friends, his, uh, you know, like, I don't know, childhood friends that seemed a lot like my childhood friends. Uh, me and Jake Rubel, we um, have compared pictures. We both have long hair, beards, but. I shared a picture one day of me with no beard and at my old haircut. And then Jake shared a picture of himself with his face with no beard and his old haircut. And uh, we uh, have a striking similar resemblance. I don't know what I'm talking about. But I'm happy to be back. I feel better. I feel better than I felt last week because I the, I did four shows this weekend, and I feel like the uh, Comedy Attic was the perfect club for me to return to comedy to because um, I feel like there's a lot of similarities of Bloomington, Indiana, that there is of Charleston, South Carolina, which is where I started doing comedy, right? So, And then the Comedy Attic is downtown, you have to go upstairs and it is above other businesses, much like Theater 99, where I started doing comedy, which is upstairs and above a bike shop. And uh, much like an improv theater like Theater 99 is, uh, Jared at the Comedy Addict has really trained uh, the audience there to not talk, not be disruptive, not be a bad audience. And... Uh, that really helped me. The Actually, the first show, Friday, uh, was a pretty young crowd, and they were pretty quiet. They were pretty quiet for all comics, um, and I and I loved it because I was like, you know what? This is not a loud laughing crowd. It's not a loud laughing crowd for anyone, so when I got up there, I'm like, well, there's no pressure for me because they've not really been that loud for anyone, and so I got to really ease into my first show, and that felt good, and it felt like a good weekend. And I liked it. I had a great time. I appreciate them. The other comics on the show, great. Everybody was great. I ate at a restaurant. Let's see if I can find the food on the road button. That's not it. That's not it. I said food on the road. Food on the road. I bought some popcorn from the Boy Scouts for $20. These poor kids seem so pitiful out there trying to sell popcorn. And I went up to them, and this is in mid-Indiana. You know, I'm out in Indiana and Kentucky, and that you would think the pandemic had never happened because there was no mask out there. I was living a, uh, I was living like a 2019 dream out here, walking around with my face uncovered, breathing fresh air. It was amazing. 
And these kids were selling popcorn. I was like, all right, I'm going to support them. I was like, how much for this? They were like $20. I was like, oh, gosh. And I said, how much for this one? They were like 25 And then they were like, this is our cheapest. It's 15 So I was like, you know what? Just give me that $20 popcorn. And then it was good, but dang. But I'm glad I supported. I mean, they, they seem like, I don't know. I don't know what the Boy Scouts are even raising money for. Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts are always selling things. At least the Girl Scouts, though, is cookies. I mean, dang. But I don't know what they're raising money for. Tents? I don't know what they do. I, I, I wasn't allowed to join the Boy Scouts as a kid. My dad lived in the country. He lived on a farm. We had a lot of woods. We had all the fishing, all the hunting, all the camping we could want to do. And I told my dad I wanted to join the Boy Scouts. And he was like, nah, you're not going to join the Boy Scouts. And so I never did. Also, I told my dad I wanted to join the band in high school, in middle school. And he was like, nah, you're not going to do that. And then I wanted, you know, and then later on in life, the Boy Scouts and the band, those kids didn't seem that cool. You know what I mean? So it's like my dad was looking out for me in a way. But then again, I might know how to tie a good knot and I might be good at an instrument. So it's tough to say. Was it good that I didn't join the band or... Could I be a very successful flute player right now? I don't know. It's tough to say. Uh, I tell you what, though, when we were in middle school, we had an instrument, a plastic instrument that we called a flutophone. I realized that everybody else in the entire world calls that a recorder, but we called it a flutophone. And the first song that we had to learn on the flutophone, I learned really quick and I was first chair that week. And I think that might have been the only song I ever learned because I was never first chair again and never, you know, I don't even know that they wanted me in the class after that. But uh, who was our guy? Mr. Holland? That was our guy. I think that was our guy in high school. And then they had a, a band movie called Mr. Holland's Opus. Not the same guy but still pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, so I wanted to be in the band. I wanted to be in the Boy Scouts. Never happened, but I'm glad. You know what I mean? I didn't need that. I didn't need that in my life. I know what the woods are all about. I played in the woods a lot. Um, and I know what instruments are about. I was telling this story to someone. I don't know where I was telling this, but I, when I was... Living in Charleston, I was living on James Island, and me and my friends, we were living in this three-bedroom apartment called Riverland Woods, and I bought a harmonica. I was going to learn to play the harmonica, but we had these really attractive uh, neighbors, these really f attractive female neighbors, and I was looking for any excuse to go talk to them. So I went over and knocked on the door, and I told the girl, I said, hey, I just want you to know that I just bought a harmonica. And I'm going to be practicing it. So if it gets too loud, you let me know. And uh, she never let me know. That could be because she had no interest in ever talking to me about it. Or it could be that I never actually practiced the harmonica, so she never heard it. It's tough to say. Um, but what am I talking about? Oh, I ate food. I ate at a taco place in Bloomington. What was it called? Um... I don't know. It was better that I talked about the Boy Scouts. All right, where am I going? Where I been? Where am I going? Where am I going? This weekend, I'm going to Omaha, Nebraska to the Funny Bone. 
forever and ever. Now, I know I just said this about Bloomington, but forever and ever, I've heard this about Omaha, that it is the best, that the Omaha Funny Bone is the best, that the, the owner, Colleen, is the best, and that everybody loves her, and it's wonderful. And I also was scheduled for there during the pandemic, and it got moved. So I'm excited to go back. I like Nebraska a lot. I've been to Omaha one time. I ate at a restaurant there that I got like a, a roast beef and some mashed potatoes, and they used uh, about four pounds of gravy on it, but it was delicious. I'm excited to go to Omaha. I think I have some friends in Omaha, and I can't wait to be there. I've been to Columbus, Nebraska before, did some shows at a uh, at a kind of a, a bar, and then I've gone to Fall City, Nebraska, uh, and done uh, a private show at a church. And so I'm excited to go to Omaha and do the club. I love the Funny Bone franchise, and uh, I'm a big fan of Nebraska. When I went to Columbus, Nebraska, it was the first time I had shirts, and I ordered some 3X and 2Xs, and I thought, man, I'll never sell these, and they were the first to go. Those people in Columbus, Nebraska were huge, and I don't mean fat. Like, they were big people. I don't mean they were fat. They weren't skinny, but they were big people. And uh, that's what the farm life does to you. I'm trying to be a farmer. I'd like to be a farmer. I'm, I'm trying to look into being a part-time farmer. I'd like to get some sheep and some goats, and I'd like to grow some corn, and I want some chickens. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's all I really want right now. I just want to be able to grind up some corn and make my own grits. And then I'd maybe I'd like a cow too, but I want to make some goat cheese. I want to drink goat's milk. And I want to eat beef that I killed myself. I'd like to kill the cow. They say, you know, kosher, you know, the old Jewish leaders have a real way of killing the cow so that it stays clean. Like it's certain ways of slaughtering a cow can render it unclean too. As I've found in a lot of my emails recently, I know that a lot of people don't believe in clean versus unclean animal, but there is uh, actual scientific studies out there that show that the animals that are laid out in the Bible that are clean versus clean, if they, they look at the toxicity level in them, the animals that are listed as clean in the Bible have very low to no toxicity level. And the animals that are listed as unclean have very high toxicity level. Like pork is like bad for your body. And beef is good for you. But it's good for and I know a lot of people argue with that. But it's good for you provided that it, you do it the right way, right? Like for one, you don't want a cow that's too fatty. And you want it to be fed the things that it eats in nature, right? Like, a, like a, for instance, like corn. My dad got mad at me about this one day because he feeds his cows corn. But, you know, they're not technically supposed to eat corn. They're just supposed to eat grass. But corn fattens them up and makes them better for the cell. You know, I'm not a farmer yet. So I'm just talking. I'm just talking Bible talk. But I'm excited to go to Omaha. I've eaten Omaha steaks before. I had somebody send me some of that. I'm just excited to be there. Um, and so that's where I've been, where I'm going. Let's see if we got a little... Oh, that's the wrong button. Here it is. All right, here it is. Your weekly mask rant. Oh. 
Gosh, I'm so proud of that bumper. I made that myself. All the others Matt Price made, and he does a wonderful job. But I, you know, when you do something yourself, you're, you're, you're proud of it. So this is what I'll say. I had some mask experiences this weekend, but nothing new. But this is what I want to talk about. When I was in Bloomington, I would go, I was trying to go around downtown to some shops because they had some cool shops and I wanted to go to a record store and a bookstore and kind of an antique store. And I, you know, I had already accepted. I'm like, I I realize where I am. And if I'm going to be able to get into these stores, I'm going to have to wear a mask. I had already accepted it and moved past it. But as I go to walk in the first store, this girl comes running up and she goes, oh, before we let you in, we need to spray hand sanitizer into your hands. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just go somewhere else. And then I left the store and made the whole group of people that was with me leave the store as well. I didn't make them leave, but I was just like, I'm not going to go in here. I'll wait for you guys outside. And then I went to the next door. They actually, they had hand sanitizer by the door, but they let me in. And then I went to a record store and the guy comes out with some homemade spray bottle. He had to, the door was locked. So we had to knock on the door and then he had to come let us in. And then he wanted to spray hand sanitizer in our hands before we came in there. And I was like, nah, I don't do that. I said, I don't know what's in that bottle. You got some, you say it's hand sanitizer, but you got some homemade spray. I don't know what you're spraying in my hands. You're calling me sick. You're saying I'm sick and oh, you're you're sick and you got a lot of germs and I got to spray you down before you get to come in here. And and I was like, "No, nah, I don't. I'm not going to do that." And that guy, the guy was like, "Well, if you he said this to me. He goes, "This is this is where we're at with customer service, right? Used to be people owned stores and then when you went in there to try to buy things, they would go, "Thank you for coming to our store. Let us know if we can help you with anything." Now they go, before we let your dirty ass in here, we got to spray some hand sanitizer in your hands. And then, uh, so I said, I'm not going to do that. And he goes, well, if you're going to be a big baby about it. And I was like, okay, dude, that's, that's where we're at now. You're so worried. You're, you're a baby about me not potentially having clean hands. But if I don't want you to spray me with some mystery spray, then I'm a baby. I was like, okay. I still bought some stuff, but I bought dollar records. I've been wanting to buy a record player. I've been buying some records, but I don't have a record player. But And I know that doesn't make sense, but I'm, I'm stocking up because one day I will get a record player. And I might have bought one in there from him had he not called me a big baby because I can, I can support the local store, which is what I'd like to do, or I can just buy off Amazon. Oh, that reminds me. But anyway, it was fine. I ended up buying some stuff from the guy. What I do is I treat people that treat me very rude. I just treat them really nice and try to make them feel bad for being so rude to me. Because, um, I don't know, I just don't believe that every store I go into, you need to spray my hands with alcohol and dry my hands all out. Plus, I don't know what you're doing with that spray. You know, the idea is that, oh, oh, Dusty, they're just... They're just trying to sanitize the store and make sure that no one gets sick. But, hey, I don't want you spraying some weird mystery spray into my hands. I don't know what you put in that bottle. I've seen videos of people at Taco Bell licking all the shells. 
There were videos out there of people opening ice cream and licking the ice cream and then putting the lid back on. And now I'm just supposed to believe everybody out here is good-hearted. Oh, they're all just good-hearted people and trying to keep us safe. Yeah. I seen people licking toilets at the beginning of the of the virus called coronavirus challenge or whatever. And it's like those same people could be running these stores out here wanting to put fingernails and whatever in the spray i don't know i don't know what they're up to i don't want their weird chemicals so i'm not gonna do it but anyway that's it for that i'm not even mad about it i because it's like i'm not mad about it because i can get uh whatever you're selling in this store somewhere else it don't make no difference to me you don't have a special store you should be happy that i even want to come in there and also it's like last week I, I, I complained about Whole Foods and their policy. And then I said something about Amazon. I don't know. But I had a guy message me. I blocked him. So I'm not mad at him, but I, I responded to him. And then I gave him an opportunity to respond to me. And then he never did. So I blocked him. But he, he messaged me on Twitter and he said, I used to be a big fan of yours, but you've lost a fan because of your, he said, I can't believe that you've, you've, uh, what did he say? I can't find the message, but he said, I I can't believe that you're um, boycotting Whole Foods because of their stance on coronavirus, but you're supporting Amazon. And it's like, first off, that's not what I said last week. I said, I don't like the way they're treating customers by yelling at us and making us put on masks, especially when you're supposed to be like the health food store, when you're supposed to be into like healthy living. But, but my overall point was, that based on some other research I did, I came to the conclusion that what Whole Foods is selling us is very well could be uh, the same stuff that Kroger is selling us, the same stuff that Publix is selling us, but they're marking up the price. So we're paying more for the same stuff. That's all I'm saying. So I'm like, uh, combined with the way that you're treating me in the store, it's like, well, maybe I won't support you anymore. And I do like Whole Foods. I think Whole Foods is a really fun store. I like the pizza. I like a lot of their products, but I don't, and I don't support Amazon either. I'm not like, Amazon is a great, wonderful company. And I hope, you know, it's like, it's easy. I mean, and that's the bottom line with it. It's easy. It's like, I went to try to find some books and I went to the guy who wrote the book's website and I wanted to buy a few books from his website and I couldn't find it. He didn't have a store. So I went to Amazon and there were the books. I got friends that work for Amazon, right? Like it's like they are providing a service and they are giving jobs to people. So I mean, I don't hate Amazon. I wish that, you know, we had more local providers, but then you go to the local store uh, and they yell at you and make you spray hand sanitizer into your hands. It's like, I love a hipster coffee shop over a Starbucks, but most of the time people in a hipster coffee shop are rude to me and they think they're too good for me. Uh, but Starbucks is very polite to me. So I don't know. I'm not making any hard stances here. I don't care. Like I'm all about personal choice. I like people having their own personal freedoms. And, uh, I, uh, I also want my personal freedoms, right? It's like, I want Starbucks to exist and I want private coffee shops to exist. I want to go to a local record store. I want to go to a local record store where some people go into college or working and they think they're smarter than everybody. And I want to go in there and I'd like to talk to them about music. 
I don't want to be called a baby because I don't have mystery spray sprayed in my hands. Um, everybody just accepts everything now. That's what's crazy to me. And if you're like a free thinker and like especially comedians, like people like I would love for Bill Hicks to be around right now, even though Bill Hicks probably is Alex Jones. Um, I'd love for Bill Hicks to be around right now and just, uh, you know, give some rants about what's going on. But I just feel like anybody that's like doing any kind of free thinking, they're like, oh, you're a maniac and you're going to get us all killed. And it's like, I don't know, just I just want to think for myself and live my life and not just do everything that the TV tells me to do. You know, they're like, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, the Johnson and Johnson vaccine has just been put on hold and I'm not, you know, trying to talk about them, but it was put on hold because it was hurting people. And then Three days before that, people on the news are going, just get it, idiot. Just get it. Just get it. And then they're like, oh, actually, uh, hold up for a second. And it's like, so that's all I'm saying. It's like, let's just chill out here. Let's stop yelling at each other and let's just think about stuff. It's wild stuff out here. That's all I'm saying. All right. So I'd like to talk a little bit about, uh, I'd like to switch gears. Oh, I didn't know what that was. That's another button I have here. Uh, I, I fixed all my buttons, but I, I forgot I forgot what they all were. Uh, that one's called self-care tips. Let's, let's hear it. I'll just let you hear the whole thing. Self-care tips, taking care of you. Actually, that bumper's very fitting to what I'm talking about. Self-care tips, taking care of you. And uh, so just have a good time out here. Uh, you know, I heard a quote the other day that said, once they find out you're not stupid, they call you crazy. And I do think that's what's happening out here. If somebody has like an alternative thought, they're like, you're crazy. What a nutcase. And it's like, I don't know, just think about stuff. And I don't know. I was always kind of taught to think my art teacher, Mr. Conway, uh, we would used to talk about drugs in his class. And he would always tell us, he would always say, you know, just be careful what you're taking. If you take stuff, not saying I was doing drugs, but he's saying, if you're taking stuff, just, you know, know what you're taking, be careful. And I just think that applies to everything. Like, it's like, know what you're doing, what you're talking about, what, what's happening. If, if one news station tells you something, maybe dig in, do a little research, uh, and also just spend some time and thought, go, does this make sense? Does this make the most sense for me? And that's all. That's all I'm saying. And that's why I talk about masks all the time. I know people, oh man, they, I mean, I'm not telling you not to wear a mask. If it makes you feel comfortable, I want you to wear it. But this whole idea that if you don't wear a mask, you're murdering people, I just think is insane. I like breathing. And, it, you know, if I were, if I'm on an airplane, I don't have a real problem wearing the mask. I think it's silly, but I don't have a real problem with it. When we're in tight spaces where we're breathing directly on other people, I don't have a real problem with it. But when I'm like walking around by myself outside or in a hotel and there, like I was in a hotel at a hotel breakfast the other day and it wasn't like some buffet of food out there. It was all packaged items. And I'm just kind of browsing, looking. I'm not touching things. 
And the lady from the front desk is go, excuse me, sir, can you put on a mask? Can you put on a mask? And it's like, I'm not around anyone. At this point, the mask doesn't make any sense. But people just, it's not like I'm in a crowded buffet area, <sighs> breathing up on everybody. Excuse me, sir, can you wear a mask? And it's like, okay, lunatics. <laughs> and, uh, and I know that she's just doing her job, but aren't we all just doing our jobs? Isn't that what they all, oh, I'm just doing my job. Okay, so I want to talk about high school a little bit. Just, I'm just, I don't know why, but I've been talking to some of my high school friends lately, and I just feel like there's a real bond with people you grow up with, right? I got a lot of friends that I've made throughout life, and some very good, very close friends I have, but there is just some sort of bond when I'm talking to a friend that I grew up with. I want to play, I'm going to try to play a voicemail uh, that a friend sent to me. And uh, I think this is very funny. And I, I know that he's messing with me, but also there's a little truth in what he's saying. I'm going to see if I can play this. I don't know if it actually will come through or not, but. Hey, man. Uh, just making sure that you're okay. And, uh, I just want to let you know that I think it's a little messed up that you haven't even asked me how I'm doing after I broke my neck on December 12th. But just so you know, I'm alive. There's a bunch of screws in my neck. Uh, you know, not even a tractor landing on me could, uh, take me down, but, uh, I'm doing well. So appreciate the concern, but, uh, all right, man. Take care. Give me a holler if you ever get a chance. All right. So that was my friend who said uh, uh, after surgery, he called me and he said, I just call in to check on you. I hope you're doing well. And I think it's a little messed up that he didn't call me after I broke my neck. Now, I had no idea that he broke his neck, even though he said, I think it's BS. And I think you did know. I didn't know. I had no idea that he broke his neck. And so but that's a friend that I grew up with. And now we've been talking and it's like, I'm happy to be talking to him. He, uh, uh, um, he was, he was, uh, using a front end loader on a tractor and he lifted the front end loader up to do something in a tree and was standing underneath the front end loader and it fell on his head. And he said it knocked him down a bit of a mountain and he lost feeling in his right, his left arm. He's left-handed. And he had to crawl back up the hill to call his family. Very tragic. It really put my surgery into perspective where I was like, oh, okay. I do feel like mine is still very serious and I, uh, I'm getting better. But, and then he sent me some x-rays of his neck with screws in it. And I was like, geez. And, uh, but we've connected and now we've talked a couple of times and I've been talking with a couple of other friends that I went to high school with and even middle school and, and, and beyond. And, uh, I just, I, I value those connections and I, you know, since having surgery and since my wife is pregnant, I've been spending more time talking to my family, more time talking to people I grew up with. And I just really feel those bonds and connections with people that I spent so much time around and, People that, you know, potentially I took for granted and I don't feel like I took them for granted necessarily because, you know, ultimately we grow older and we grow apart, but 
um, I don't know. I just feel some bond and connection now with people in a weird way. Um, and I think that's good and exciting. So when I, growing up, I was living, you know, and a lot of people, I became friends with a lot of people that I'm now friends with in high school. And they'll say, I never knew about you living in a trailer park. Cause I do all these jokes about growing up in a trailer park. And they're like, dude, we used to party at your house. It was not a trailer. Well, in ninth grade, I, I went to ninth grade in, in Opelika. I know it's different in different places, but in Opelika, in our school system, we have these schools. We have kindergarten to second grade as a school. We have third grade to fifth grade as a school. And we have sixth grade to eighth grade is middle school. And then we have ninth grade to 12th grade in our high school. So in ninth grade, I went to Opelika High School. And all of ninth grade, I lived in a trailer park. I lived in lot eight, Moore's Trailer Park. And uh, ninth grade was one of the hardest years for me. And then in 10th grade, I moved into a house. But it wasn't the hardest for me because I grew up in a trailer. It was hard for me for a lot of reasons because, um, you know, uh, I don't know exactly why it was hard for me, but I think I was just growing up. I was getting older and I was, you know, now a freshman and I was the youngest and I had, you know, a best friend all growing up, like from probably since third grade, I had the same best friend. Well, in ninth grade, we started to go off on our own. We started to kind of do our own thing. He, um, because we didn't share a lot of classes together in middle school. So he had started to make new friends. And when we got to ninth grade, he started to hang out with some older kids and was doing, you know, different things than me. So for the first time I really had to like, and then all my friends that I used to hang out with in middle school, we all were in different classes and so ninth grade was just a difficult year for me. And I was also, I remember being in art class and somebody asking me, did I live in a trailer? And I don't even know that they were trying to make fun of me. They were just genuinely asking. And I had such uh, self-conscious uh, issues about it that I never had had, but I had such issues about it that I was like, uh, I said, yes, but it just made me so uncomfortable. And I don't, and I think that it was for the first year ever, there were people in, in my school that I had never seen because all throughout school, it's three grades, right? Kindergarten through second, third through fifth, uh, six through eight. And then in high school, it's nine through 12. So all the seniors are people that have been a part of my school system that I had never, ever seen. And I didn't get picked on. I didn't have anything like that. N no more than anybody else, right? Like I might have got harassed a little bit, but uh, I never. I wasn't like going home crying and stuff. It was just a weird year for me. I was. I was dealing with some acceptance issues that I think we all do. And you know, I was. I was feeling like a poor kid even though I don't think I was ever really poor, right? Like um, I, both of my parents were involved. I just lived in the trailer. My mom didn't have a lot of money and the money that she had, we spent on uh, Nintendo games, uh, WWE pay-per-view and NASCAR races and NASCAR shirts for the whole family. And my dad had money, but he had, you know, he was a bit cheaper and he had a lot going on. He had, uh, 
you know, a wife and two other kids to take care of. And uh, it was a lot happening. Okay, so I had to take a little break, but I was talking about high school and talking about being hard in ninth grade, and I did think ninth grade was a hard year. When I look back on it, I say ninth grade was my hardest high school year, without a doubt, right? My hardest year ever in school. Uh, I mean, you could argue that eighth grade was tough. I mean, in eighth grade, I got uh, stabbed by a girl with a pencil. I've told this story before, but just in case you're a new listener, I'll just kind of try to run through this one real quick, just so you get the gist of what's going on here. In eighth grade, I had a teacher, uh, we called him Spoo. And, uh, and it was because people used to say he had a big desk and people used to say he was back there rubbing one out. Uh, and (laughs) I'm not saying that's true, but one time my friend Quentin, uh, because it was me, Quentin and Bobby, we all had last names that started with S. We called ourselves the SSS club. We were very creative and Quentin one day asked, uh, our teacher, Spoo if he had any lotion that he could borrow and then the teacher pulled out a big bottle of lotion with the hand pump on it and put it on the table and we lost it okay we lost it so uh and that teacher used to put us in detention all the time we were constantly in trouble um but it was a fun time I have another friend. She was, I guess, my girlfriend for a little while. I didn't even know how to date. Uh, But she says that that class was like the most fun she had in school. And it was a good time. But one day, I assume it was in or around Halloween because I had this fake rubber hand. And I took this rubber hand to school. And this girl this giant girl took it from me. I don't know how she got it. I don't remember that detail, but she had it and she wouldn't let me get it back. I tried to reach into her desk and get it and she pinched me. So I put my hand on her head and kind of gave her a little shove. I didn't hit her. I didn't push her. She didn't fall to the ground. I gave a little shove. Now I'm not saying I'm innocent. Should I have put my hands on her? Of course not. But I'm in eighth grade, and I've just been stolen from. So then the teacher, he leaves the room for whatever reason. He may be gone this whole time. I don't know what he's doing. Maybe the rumors are true about him. Maybe he had to take off, spend a little time in the bathroom. I don't know. And so I go and sit back down at my desk, and then the girl who stole my hand, who I shoved her head, gets up. And comes towards my table and I jump up and I'm trapped. I'm hiding from her, but I'm trapped in between the desk and the wall. On the desk is a computer. A computer from the 90s. So it's giant. It's a huge computer that you can do very little on. No wireless keyboard. Small screen, but a long screen. It's deep, but tiny. And... You can play Oregon Trail. I hear a lot of people used to play Oregon Trail, but I never got to play it. They never would let me play it. I remember playing Carmen San Diego a little bit, but not enough to even know what was going on in the game. 
I never got to play the fun computer games. I once took a wood shop class and they never let me cut any wood. They never let me build anything. You know what the guy did? The entire day, every day, he made us uh, copy the safety manual word for word from the book to paper. That was what we did in Woodshop because he said, I don't want you cutting off your hand. We never cut anything. We made some kites one day and then we never even got to fly them. It was a worthless class. Worthless. So I don't even know how I went off on that Woodshop tangent, but here I am. I'm, oh, oh, the computer. So I jump up, I'm trapped between the wall and the computer, and this girl rears back. This is a huge girl now. She rears back and she stabs me once in the arm with a pencil and twice in the back. Only in the back because I'm shielding myself. I'm turning away from the pain. And I find out later that she had cut. She tried to stab Bobby. I guess he was a little too quick, but he took one up the side of the wrist, a cut across it. And then she stabbed Quentin a couple of times in the leg. So when the teacher came back in the room, I wasted no time snitching. I stood right up and I said, she just stabbed me. And we both went to the office and she, I never saw her again. I would, I forgive her. I'm not even mad at her, but I never saw her again. And I had to do a day of in-school suspension for shoving her head. Which was great for me because I did in-school suspension and I was stabbed. So I claimed that I couldn't go to football practice because of it. And I hated football practice, so it was fine. And then me and the coach had a little bonding moment because he made fun of me a little bit about getting stabbed by a girl in football practice. I didn't mind. I didn't want to be on the team. I wanted to quit, but my mom said I had to tell my coach I was quitting if I wanted to quit. So I was like, well, that's not how I like quitting right now, okay? I'm not putting in a two-week notice to the football team. Right now, I want to walk off this job. I want to walk off and, 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 you know, talk about it later if I have to. But right now, I'm tired of standing 10 yards apart from another person and running and hitting each other. That's not what I signed up for. I signed up to look cool in a football jersey once a week at school and potentially get a girlfriend out of this deal. I wanted to catch a pass in the end zone. I'm not trying to be a lineman. I'm not trying to tackle people. I'll be tackled, but I'm not, you know, that's not what I signed up to do. I signed up for football for the women, not for um, physical uh, hitting of people. I'm not into it. So eighth grade, I played football that I hated. I got stabbed. I did in-school suspension. And my I had, you know, a teacher that uh, didn't like me because, I guess, because we were always talking about him potentially rubbing one out behind the desk. So eighth grade was tough. But ninth grade, I was in a new school. There was a whole new grade of people that I had not known yet. And I was losing my friend. I'm not upset with him. We're still friends. Um, and there was a lot going on. I was dealing with some insecurity. So we get into 10th grade. And in 10th grade, me and my mom moved into a house. I don't think we did it over the summer. 
I don't know exactly when it happened. Maybe the end of ninth grade, beginning of 10th grade. Nevertheless, I was now in a house and I was a mile away from the high school. So when um, I got on the bus the first day to go and the bus picked me up early, like 6 a.m. I was the first one to be picked up and then they had us late to school. So I was like, okay, I don't want to do that anymore. So I tried to find a ride. I couldn't find anyone that would drive me to school, which is was also a sad moment, a sad moment when you realize that you have no one willing to pick you up and give you a ride to school. Uh, that was sad. And then, so what I decided I would do was walk. Now, my friend Kenny Vickers and Joey Vickers, they ended up giving me a ride. I don't remember if they did that in the beginning or at the end. I don't remember when that started happening, but I started walking to school and I liked it. I didn't have to walk that far and I would get to school early. And there were a couple people that I would that also would get to school early and we would hang out a little bit and talk before. That was a lot of fun. And then there was a guy who used to walk to school uh, named Nathan Cannon was his name. And Nathan was a transfer from Auburn. And he wore Jinkos and had bleached his hair. And I was like, this dude. And he walked to school and he didn't seem insecure about it. He seemed like he was having a great time. And I was like, I like this dude. And slowly, I started to adapt this style. I stole the style from him. I don't want to say I stole it. But what I did was I saw something and I was like, oh, that's cool. Why am I not doing that? And then I started doing it. I got some Jinkos. I got a few things. I got into it. I got some Skull t-shirts. And then I started to, my nose is itchy. So I started to like get into this style and I started to dress like this and, 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 I, and I was having a great time. And then uh, around, and, and I started to like, I felt like I was coming into myself. Not that I was the type of person that was supposed to be wearing Jinkos, but because I started doing it, it just felt like, oh, I'm doing something wild, and this is giving me excitement. And the excitement and the wildness is also giving me a confidence. So then 11th grade, I get my driver's license. And then I remember driving to uh, a Burger King where we used to all used to hang out and I had a real breakout moment with some other friends there hanging out and it felt good. And then I started to really develop a friend group and then that friend group, now these were all people that I already hung out with at school anyway, but now we started really hanging out outside of school. And these are some of my long-term friends, friends that I still talk to today. We started driving around in a red Bronco getting into all kinds of trouble. And then we started partying at my mom's house. Now, my mom worked third shift, but also she had a boyfriend and also her mom was sick, my grandmother. So she between those three things, she was gone a lot, right? So I was having the house to myself and it all started slowly with a little bit of partying. You know, we would get drunk at the house one night and then uh, or we would just all meet up at my house and then go to a party. And we, it slowly became a party house. And then, you know, first part of senior year, this goes on and on into senior year. And the, I remember getting busted one time. I was having a really great party and I had just turned 17. And the cop asked me how old I was. And I said 16. And then I was like, oh, actually I'm 17. And then that's how he knew I was drunk. But he probably knew I was drunk right away. 
Um, but I but I got myself caught tripping up on my own age. But it was a great time. We had really great parties there. And then senior year, um, it, it we took it up a notch. And then my friend, who was my best friend growing up, who we kind of parted ways in ninth grade, he moved away in 10th grade. So he was completely gone my 10th grade year and my 11th grade year. So it felt like a little bit like we were a band and then the band broke up and we had, you know, to try to piece together our own solo careers. So in 10th grade, my solo career began to take off. 10th, 11th grade, and then this first half of senior year, my solo career was really going great. Now he moved away to another town. His solo career could have been going good too. I don't know. But he started coming to visit the first half of senior year. We really had a great time. And then he decided to move in with me at my mom's house the second half of senior year. So it's like the band got back together. And we had a wild second half of the senior year. My friend had a super cool car with, with rims and a paint job and a sound system. And we had a wild year. I mean... It was, it was wild. There's a lot of things I'd like to talk about that we did one day, but it was wild and we had a great time, but, and, and the parties at night, my mom was gone a lot, but she was there a lot too. But then the summer after my senior year of high school, me and my friend, we started to fight again. Uh, we, we, you know, we were a little tired of each other because this is what was happening. You can never do this. We lived together. We rode to school together. We had our first block, which was our first class, and our second class together. The third class we didn't have together, and then we both left school for the fourth block at the same time. And then we would go home together. We were constantly together. And, you know, so towards the end of that, we, we started to fight with each other. And senior year was a wild time, though. I had a great time. I took art uh, for my fourth and fifth time, um, we had, you know, we had some eclectic friends. I remember there were three friends that I had that moved down from New York city and they sold weed and they were one of the, and the girl was in my art class and they were fun. It was a guy named Ian, David, and what was the girl's name? Dang, I can't remember. I just thought about her the other day. She said something weird to me one time that I can't repeat. Uh, anyway, so they were great. So we had, you know, we had all this going on. A lot of fun stuff was happening. Uh, my friend and I, we graduated together. Uh, we had a party at the house. We both got listed in our yearbooks as like people for style because he was always very well dressed and I was always dressing like a maniac. And I thought my style was super cool. I had flame boots. I was wearing a lot of skull t-shirts. You couldn't tell if I was goth or redneck from one day to the next. You didn't know what I had going on. I had some nice shirts too. And uh, it was a great time. But then after senior year, we started to fight again. And then he moved back home. And I started to party with a new group of people. And I got a lot of graduation money from my family. My family's always been very nice. And I never really appreciated them in the way that I should, I think. But they gave me a lot of money for graduation. And I used that 
the summer after my senior year to just live and and party. And we partied a lot. And we had a lot going on at the house. My mom was gone a bunch. And we I had just read a book about Charles Manson. And uh, that seems like a weird, but I'll tell you what, why it connects. I read this book about Charles Manson because back then we didn't have the internet, right? So you would see a clip of Charles Manson once in a while and I'd be like, whoa, that dude's weird, man. What's that guy all about? So I read this book called Manson and His Own Words. Now, in this book, the murders, the heinous, uh, unforgivable crimes didn't happen to the end of the book, right? I mean, that was a footnote as far as it goes in the book, Manson and His Own Words. What most of the book was about was about his childhood and then about how terrible it was and then about how he um, started living on these movie ranches. He was living in abandoned movie ranches in California with, uh, he was basically a part of the hippie movement. They had a black school bus, you know, a school bus painted black that they had uh, taken a lot of the seats out of and they were kind of living in it for a while and driving around. Him and a few other dudes and a bunch of women. And then they were living out on this movie ranch doing a bunch of drugs probably having a lot of sex and just doing a lot of wild stuff and uh, and playing music and 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 a couple of the beach boys would go out there and play me was it brian wilson would go out there and play music and they would do acid and i was like that seems pretty wild like that seems like a good time and then there was a thing about something about the beatles white album and the song helter skelter so i was like well i want to buy that and that cost thirty dollars and thirty dollars was a lot of money to me but i bought it anyway and then i was very disappointed in the cd but i found the song rocky raccoon uh, and it changed the whole feel for me and then after rocky raccoon i got into the whole album and the beatles white album uh the first album the first disc it's two discs i can sing about every song on that album by heart i loved that album so great and I got into that, and so I was listening to that kind of stuff, and we were just living at my mom's house. I felt like I was living on a movie ranch. We just had a bunch of people hanging out, parties every night, doing wild stuff. A lot of people, you know, sleeping on, on my couch, and, and just, we were just, we just had taken over my mom's house, basically. I was raising mice, and we had a bunch of mice running around, and we just had a bunch of stuff going on, right? And then one day... Uh, this guy that I know, he said, hey, I got this homeless guy living at my house that I think you'll really like. And I was like, cool, bring him over. So they brought this guy over to a party one night. This guy's name was Ryan. Uh, but quickly we gave him the nickname Chuck. And they always said that Charles Manson was a real short guy, right? I don't know. But this guy that came over was really short, and he had shorter arms, and he had a tattoo on each forearm, and then a tattoo on his neck. And he rapped. Like, he would, he would break into these raps. And we thought, man, that's awesome. And so this guy came to party, and then he didn't leave. Like, he stayed with us all summer. And I remember getting him a job at Sonic. And I remember he had a job at Pizza Hut for a while. And I remember one morning dropping him off at Pizza Hut. And then putting on the song Mr. Jones by the Counting Crows and 
just jamming out to that song. It was summertime in Alabama in the year 2000, and I was jamming in a 1999 uh, Saturn Pooh Bear edition, listening to Mr. Jones, living my life, probably smoking a Newport cigarette or potentially a Marlboro medium, and just living a life. And I was listening to Mr. Jones just yesterday, and it made me think of all of this, and it made me think of Chuck. And we also had a friend named John that would hang out, and John was wild, and John would go to jail a lot. And I remember we set out by the road one time, and we had a sign that we had spray-painted that said, Bring John Back. And we were trying to raise money. We said we were raising money to get John out of jail, um, but... I don't know why we thought we were doing that. And then at the end of the day, we took the money that we raised, which wasn't very much, and used it for something else that I won't say and didn't try to get John out with it. But John would be around, and John uh, one time was on the run, and I don't know how serious it was. He also told a lot of, a lot of tales. And um, one day he had to... Uh, he was on the run and he wanted me and I'm not, uh, I'll say somebody else. He wanted somebody else to take him to Tuscaloosa to his cousin's house to hide out. So I went with them and Chuck went along with us too. And when we dropped him off at his cousin's house, his cousin did not look happy. He was not happy about it at all. And we left him and Chuck there. And then, you know, John I've seen since. But I never saw Chuck again. And it's a real shame. I've looked for him. It's a real shame that I never saw him again because I like that guy. But it was time for him to go. Because he was just sleeping on the couch. And he was never going to do anything. He quit the job at Sonic. He quit the job at Pizza Hut. But I really bonded with the guy. I liked him. And he rapped. He had these little raps. And uh, we, had a, we had a fun time. And I just was thinking about Chuck the other day. And, um, and I don't know. I don't even know if that was that good of a story. I don't know where the story was going. But I had a homeless guy live with me for a couple of, couple of months. He was about my age. And uh, he, had, he wanted the Jinkos. He had an old pair of black Jinkos with two white stripes on the side. And I used to let him wear them all the time. And he wanted them, and I wouldn't let him have it. And I regret that. I should have let him take the Jinkos. But at the same time, they meant a lot to him, but they meant a lot to me too. They cost 50 dang dollars, maybe 60. That's a lot of money for jeans back then. So, old Chuck. I mean, we had a lot going on back then. I mean, dang, it was a wild time. And then shortly after that, I moved back into the trailer. So I don't really know if that had anything to do with high school or not, but that's my journey through high school. Ninth grade was rough. 10th grade got better. 11th grade was better. 12th grade was awesome. I'm sure that's the story for a lot of people. So I want to just take a little time and maybe just do a little bit of Bible talk. Um, uh, I'll, I'll read uh, a couple of these emails. Uh, and I also thought I might read a couple of YouTube comments once in a while, not specifically about the podcast, but just about some of the, um, some of the comments people leave me on these videos. Um, 
Let's see. Let me find one from the trailer park one. Like, I've gotten so many comments on this one. Like, it was uh, from the video about me growing up in a trailer park. And then I said, uh, tell me a story about you being poor. And these are just a couple of the comments. It says, uh, I don't know if you guys only have milk jugs down there, but in Canada, we have milk bags. So when I was a kid, my dad would cut a hole so small that it was almost only good to pour a little bit of milk in his coffee, and it would take me forever to fill myself a glass. That was his way of saving money. Uh And boy, if I was to cut that bag wide, I'd get some dirty looks. And I have been to Canada because my wife's Canadian, and they do have milks that come in bags. I don't get that either. This, this lady says, we were so poor, my sister and I had to share underwear right through high school. I was so glad when I went away to college, I didn't have to share underwear. And we didn't have a washing machine, so we had to wash them by hand and lay them on the radiator to dry. My dad hated that. My mom often bought our clothes too big so they would last longer, but we had to grow into them. And we got new clothes when school started, but my mother would only buy winter clothes. So even though it was still hot in September, we had to wear woolen clothes to school. Boy, was it hot because, of course, our school didn't have AC. This girl says, growing up in the Everglades, we had sugarcane fields across the canal down the street. The canal sometimes had gators in it, but my friends and I jumped over it to get the sweet tre sweet treats. I mean, it's great. There's a lot of stories. Maybe I should dig through and find. This guy says, let me preface my being poor story with this. We were the kind of poor where every couple of weeks we would pawn our 20-inch TV so we could get a snack. Dang. When I was in fifth grade, I wanted to be a vampire for Halloween. So my mom used flour on my face, Crisco to grease my hair, red lipstick for blood, and a sheet for my cape and a pair of her silver high-heeled knee-high boots to finish out my costume. I missed the mark as a vampire, but nailed it as a nine-year-old transvestite. Uh, that seems fun. I was, a, I, I was young, played basketball. My mom, bless her, saved all my... I can't read. I was young, played basketball. My mom, bless her, saved all her grocery stamps to buy me basketball shoes from the grocery store with her stamps. Wow. Okay. So that's that. All right. How about a little Bible talk? So I'm going to try to read a couple of emails that were sent to me. Um, this guy says, so glad you're well. I'm going to still eat pork. I'm so happy you're feeling better. And it was a treat to hear a new podcast episode. I love your Bible talk and find it so refreshing in this upside down world. I believe uh, God's grace is the only way to God. We cannot begin to earn our own salvation through any of our own efforts. That's 
good news to a messed up guy like me. I completely agree. I mean, there is no way. The Bible says, um, uh, well, Jesus says, I am the truth, the light, and the way, and no one gets to heaven except through me, right? So I get it. That's number one. That's first. So I get it. It's amazing. It's a wonderful gift. It's a wonderful free gift that we have. We cannot earn it and do not need to earn it. So he goes on. Anyway, listening to episode 46 brought these thoughts in mind. That was my last week's episode. God in Acts 10 changed the way the apostles viewed dietary laws. And uh, a couple of people brought this up. In fact, this always gets brought up. And I completely disagree. If you are reading Acts 10, be sure to read Acts 10 and Acts 11 and ask yourself these questions. Uh, and this is how I think about it, and this is how I, I, I think it's reasonable to think about. But think about Acts 10. In Acts 10, Peter, now Peter being a man that walked with Jesus, and we believe, not, not me, but in this context, we believe that Jesus did away with the dietary laws because of his work and his dying on the cross, we no longer have to um, watch what we eat. We no longer have to abstain from pork. We can eat whatever we want because of Jesus. Now, Peter walked with Jesus, spent time with Jesus, was great friends with Jesus. So Peter, in Acts 10, Peter is on the rooftop, and he's up there, and he's about to come down and go eat when he falls into a trance. And in this trance, the sheet comes down from heaven and this sheet has all kinds of animals in it. And Peter hears a voice and that voice says, kill and eat. And Peter says, not so, Lord. I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And God says, you know, do not call common what I have made clean. And it says Peter is confused by this. And it happens three more times, and then the sheet goes up into the, the sky. And it even says Peter is confused about this. Now, if Jesus had made all, all these meats clean, then why would Peter call them unclean? If he knew that Jesus made them clean, why would he call them unclean? And, and why would he not just eat? But instead, they went back into heaven. And then later, Peter goes downstairs, still confused. It even says he's still confused about it. And he's told to go to the man Cornelius' house. Cornelius is Italian and not a Jew. He's a Gentile. And, but he's, it says he is a, a man who feared God. So someone who followed the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was not a pagan. Uh, even though he was a Gentile, he was a follower of God. But... People like that uh, were not, the Jews and the Gentiles were not really allowed to mingle. The Jews considered Gentiles unclean people, common or unclean. And so it's later revealed in this verse of Acts 10 that uh, God was telling Peter to go visit Cornelius and saying, he is clean now. Now the Gentiles can be clean through Jesus. So what we view as a verse to say God is saying that we can now eat pork is actually God saying, I'm grafting you into this tree. 
I'm grafting you into the tree. You are joining. You now can be joined through the blood of Jesus. Jews and Gentiles can unite and come together through Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. But it never mentions food again. Peter says it was cleared up to him what the vision was about. And it's about don't call Cornelius the Gentile unclean or common because I have made him clean. And it's clear and, and it was, it was uh, God was communicating with Peter in a way that he knew he would understand because Peter being Jewish his whole life and only having the Old Testament up until this point um, uh, would really understand that pork is unclean and that he does not eat that. They, they do not eat that sort of thing. And even, you know, the lines where, where Jesus, um, you know, tells us that, um, says what go, it's not what goes in the body that makes it unclean, but what comes out of it, even in, Even in those verses, I mean, he's talking about hand-washing techniques and not necessarily talking about food. But if he was talking about, because he says, they say, therefore, uh, purging all meats or uh, making all, some, some versions say making food all clean. But the Jews of that time, who he was talking to, would have never considered pork food. They didn't eat food. So if Jesus said, all meats are clean, they, they wouldn't go, great, let's eat a pig, because they didn't consider pigs food because they only had the Old Testament. So anyway, so that's my thoughts on that. Again, just my thoughts. I'm not preaching. I'm discussing. I'm having a great time. Uh, he goes on in his email, and a huge debate the early church had about circumcision is eye-opening in that the early church was requiring new uncircumcised Gentile believers to follow the law. And it's just like, I just feel like a lot, to me, this is me speaking again, not the email, but I feel like a lot of this gets confusing because during Jesus' time, there was uh, a couple of laws happening. There's the laws of God, the Torah, or the teachings of God, depending on how it's interpreted. Um, and then there was law of man, man-made tradition. The, the Pharisees had, over the years, had kind of written their own laws um, which made things stricter and heavier. And, um, and those were the laws that Jesus was preaching against mainly, where it was like, it is about the heart and not about the physical deed, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't follow the laws because to me, I think the laws are just help us to live a better life. It, it makes our life better. If we eat foods that God is like, hey, I made these... He's like, hey, I made all these foods or I made all these animals and all of them have a purpose. Some of them are for you to eat and others are not for you to eat. So don't eat those. So I think, you know, he's just saying, hey, um, I know what's good for you. So if you do the things that I say to do, you're going to live a better life. All right. I'll go on in the email. Jesus was crucified in the eyes of religious leaders who schemed to have him done away with because he was a religious blasphemer and a religious lawbreaker. Now, and again, and now this is me, but I believe that that's why they said they wanted him killed. Um, you know, that's the reason they used. But, you know, 
he was preaching against them pretty heavy in that we need to follow God as opposed to the traditions of man. I mean, he was really taking a lot of their power. Again, this is my opinion. He was taking a lot of their power, and the reason they they eventually were able to get rid of him was because he they said he blasphemed. And it says, Hell, the whole Sermon on the Mount clarified that religious observance means nothing if we have a dark heart. The law is more than outward observance. It must be the inward reality, and that is only through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Um, well, uh, just to this line, the whole Sermon on the Mount clarified that religious observance means nothing if we have a dark heart. Well, I don't know. I don't have the Sermon of the Mount memorized, and I didn't just read it. So I, I'm not exactly familiar with what it says, but I agree with the sentiment that, like, if I don't love Jesus, if I don't accept Jesus into my life, then it salvation-wise, it makes no difference what I do. If I follow all the commandments and don't accept Jesus, then I agree. None of it matters. It's Jesus first and then the other things. But I do think the other things matter. And I've heard it said that commandments cannot save, but are for the saved, right? And see, that to me makes the most sense. You come as you are. You are a, you know, like all of us that come to Jesus, we are sinful, we are in sin, and we come to Jesus as we are. We accept the free gift, we repent of our sins, and then we go on about trying to live better, sinless lives. We try to serve God and serve our neighbors and be sinless people. Now, we're not going to succeed in being sinless, but we can actively commit less sin. Uh, some of us may succeed in being sinless. I have not found out how to do that yet. But uh, my understanding is that the definition of sin is transgression of the law. So if there is no law, then how can you transgress it? Meaning there can be no sin. So is sin gone? And then the Bible also says at times that the law is written in our hearts, right? And that's what people will say to me. They'll say, Dusty, you don't need to observe the law. The law is written on your hearts. Okay, great. Well, what law? And what does that mean? The Bible says many times that the law is written on our hearts. Now, there are several verses that would lead us to confusion of, oh, well, maybe this is saying that I don't need to worry about the Sabbath and that I don't need to worry about what I eat. There are several verses that lead us to believe that that could be the case. But there are lots of verses that are like very plain that are like, do this, do this, do this, don't do this. And um, I, I enjoy these conversations so much. And I want it to be known that this email ended well. Um, he said, I love that your podcast actually makes me think. Peace and grace to you. I appreciate what you're doing. Um, I think that's great. I love it. Um, another one, another email that I'll read a bit from is one that really made me think. And it says, I'm just going to start midway through the email. 
You said you enjoyed discussing the word, so I just thought I'd share my thoughts on something you mentioned in the back 20 minutes of your podcast. In talking and keeping the commandments of the Old Testament, you talked about God continuing unchanged, which led you continue to which led you to continue to follow things like the dietary law. In response to this, I thought I'd share about one of the biblical figures I find most interesting, Melchizedek. Now, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but I'll just do my best. Melchizedek is a symbol of a better covenant that was Jesus Christ, and he talked about in, and he's talked about in Hebrews 5 through 7. To quickly summarize, Melchizedek is a priest with not much background. Many people think it was an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament who, gave, who Abraham gave an offering to. Melchizedek was a priest, but not one descended from Aaron, so it was odd that Abraham gave him a tenth of his war spoils. This is explained in Hebrews when Jesus is referred to as a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Basically, it is showing what what it's showing is that at that time in Genesis 14, the order of Arianic priest was good, but the order of Melchizedek was better. In the same way, the covenant that God made with the Jewish people in the Old Testament, the law was good, but the covenant made by and with Jesus, justification by faith alone, was also better. That is why we don't practice animal sacrifice, nor wearing clothing made of different fabric or the dietary laws. So I find that very interesting. And it sent me to a place. I read all of that. I went back. I read, uh, I read everything that I could find on Melchizedek. And, um, and it was very interesting, very compelling. And that's what led me to reach out um, to a preacher that I watch on the internet. He sent me a book. And a lot of that, to me, really clears this up. But just to me, the simplest of terms is it's like, okay, so we say that the Old covenant was the law, and the old covenant was not good enough, so we had a new covenant, a covenant with Jesus. Well, one explanation I hear is that it's not actually new covenant, it's expanded covenant, which makes sense when you talk about Jesus who says, I, you've heard that thou shalt not commit murder, but I say if you hate your brother, you've committed murder already. You've heard that you should not commit adultery, but I say if you think about having sex with another woman, then you've committed adultery already right so that seems like he's expanding the law so why would you expand in some areas and take away in the other and the thing about blended fabrics i hear that all the time in um leviticus it it in a king james version it actually says don't wear fabrics of linen and woolen so it's very specific, which leads me to believe there's something going on with that combination that was not good for people. As far as I know, it doesn't say if your clothes has two different fabrics in it, don't wear it. It got very specific. Now, there is some stuff about blending seeds and whatnot. Don't do that. And uh, I don't know what that's about. I, I don't have the answer to everything. But what I will say is it's like, if, if the thing is, with, with Jesus, right? We accept Jesus and then we just live on faith and we don't do anything. There's no laws that we have to follow. There's nothing that we have to do. Um, then what do we do? 
how do we live differently? That's the kind of question I want answered. And if they say no, well, there's, you know, there is still laws that you follow. And I say, well, which ones? Uh, because, you know, Jesus mentions a few, no adultery, no, no killing. All right. So that's two. But is that all we do? Uh, we don't kill. We don't commit adultery, but we, um, we steal. We, we don't honor our mothers and fathers. Like I, I don't get it. I mean, and they say, uh, in first John, it says, if you love God, you'll keep his commandments. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Um, he says the greatest commandment is to love that Lord, that God, love, love God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And the second is to love your brother as yourself. So love your neighbor as yourself. So I think that's great. Love God and then love your neighbor. If we're all doing that, we're going to be living in a much better world. Um, and I got some other stuff that I want to read about love your neighbor stuff, but I won't do it today. But I'm just thinking if, um, you know, if we're, if, if, if the law is done away with, then how do we know what sin is and, and what are we supposed to follow? And I'm genuinely asking that because I, I enjoy this discussion, but it's like, what law then? What do we follow? Because clearly, you know, commandments are mentioned all throughout and that we should keep commandments. Commandments are mentioned throughout the entire Bible. David said he loved the commandments and that they were a blessing. It was an honor to be able to follow them. So we go from that to we don't have to follow them at all. That's my question. And I love it. And I appreciate you guys listening to this. I tried to, tried to really mix it up today. And uh, it gets heavy. This took two separate settings. I got up after the break, and then I sat back down. I was like, what am I even talking about? But uh, you guys are the best. Listen, I got shows in Omaha this weekend. That's going to be really great. And I forgot to mention, Sunday, I have a show at Zany's. Sunday, 4 p.m. So if you've made it this far of the podcast, check that show out. Thank you very much. We're having a good time. <laughs>